wake up your happy at Hardy's with the new $3 French toast tips. Topped with powdered sugar and served with a side of syrup, it's like candy for breakfast. Try the new $3 French toast tips at Hardy's, part of the 2-3 more breakfast menu. Order ahead at Hardy's.com. Feed your happy. Available for a limited time to participate in Hardy's restaurants. Tax not included. Price and participation vary. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome back to Real Talk. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> Sorry, we've had like a bit of a break. I've uh, been quite busy. Um, but coming back with um, a very interesting topic, I think, today. We've got um, a guest on and we're going to talk about a topic that um, is very relevant, I think, in this day and age. Uh, very important to talk about. Um, get some people very passionate Um some people are big advocates of this. Some people can be very, um, very triggered, I think, by this whole, this whole topic for some reason. Um, something that Jack and I, I think, I would like to think know a lot about. Um, but we've got a guest on who knows a lot more about this because uh, the topic is veganism. Uh, and our, our guest is a, is a vegan. Um, so we're just going to talk today about what this means, what it is. Um, so just want to welcome our guest, uh, I mean, I don't even know what to call you. Should we call you Adam or Bogey? What would you want to call <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, I've, I've gone by Bogey for pretty much my entire life. But suddenly in the professional world now, everybody calls me Adam. Um, <laughs> so I guess, yeah, whatever, whatever feels most comfortable. I guess, Jordan, you know me by Bogey. So let's do that. Yeah, I think Bogey. We don't, we don't want to stay in the professional world, do we? For this? <laughs> this is not very professional at all. That's what I'm into, yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, so basically, the topic's veganism. Um, so, well, t- in your eyes, Bogey, what what exactly is veganism? Because I think a lot of people consider it just to be simply a diet, which is, which is not the case, really. If you're really talking about veganism, right, as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I I really think it it is a lifestyle. I mean, not only does it have to do with how you consume um, and what you consume, but like living those values out in, in every every way. So it's it's both consuming no products that come from animals, um, whether that be food or any product in general. It could be anything from makeup to clothing um, and then food, but then also like living out those values. And I think it's really quite an active lifestyle where um, you're really bringing, raising awareness about the issues around the environment, around animal rights. Um, and then it's also like, I think really holistic in finding this kind of mental and physical intersection and well-being. Yeah, hundred percent. How long have you been vegan? Be- uh, how long have you been vegan for now? Yeah, just almost two years in, in May, it will be officially two years. Do you have like a, a an anniversary celebration where you just have a giant feast of, of uh, <laughs> vegetables? You know, um, maybe I'll start doing that now. I, yeah, that that would be something I should should look into. <laughs> yeah, uh, cool. So yeah, what what exactly? Um, what what was the was the main spark for you? That was was there any uh, one moment when your your mentality sort of switched and you were like, oh no, right, this is. 100% the path that I need to be on and this is the right thing to do or was it a gradual process? For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, well, I've been, I've been vegetarian since I was 17 and then really enjoyed that and it was a pretty easy transition. I never really ate much meat my entire life. Um, 
I just never was really attracted towards it or really enjoyed it. Um, and then, yeah, so then made that transition, transition when I was 17 when I really felt like I kind of had more autonomy over my own body and my own consumption choices. And then uh, I studied in New Zealand for, for some time, which was really, really great. That I think they, it's, it's a, that country does a really, really great job of connecting environmental policy to people's everyday lives. And there's a lot of really cool farming tradition and farming practice there. Um, and so I did an independent study project there, really focusing on intensive dairying in New Zealand. And mm -hmm. it really brought to light a lot of the problematic nature of animal agriculture and pastoral agriculture. And I, it wasn't necessarily a critique on farmers themselves because I'm all down to support farmers and champion farmers in every capacity. But more so it was a critique of the system like in the 80s when markets became open to or farmers really became open to all these like massive global neoliberal markets um, and the pressures it, it put on small-scale farmers to have this kind of narrative of get bigger get out you know go the factory yes. farm route the conventional production methods and yeah it became really problematic you get these huge conglomerates um, like Fonterra in New Zealand, for example, or Cargill in my home state of Minnesota here, which is one of the largest private industries in the entire world and has uh, really a foothold in everything from production to plate. So that was what my research focused on. And then when I returned to the States, I, I figured, wow, okay, <laughs> I, I made all these arguments through this, this research. I better start practicing what I preach, that kind of cliche. But it, yeah, it really kind of... Um, came through and it was, a, it was a pretty smooth process. Probably a month in, I did have a few Tim Tams, um, but other yeah, than yeah, that, yeah. yeah, it's been it's been a pretty pretty smooth smooth sailing, and it's it's allowed me to get really creative with with cooking and yeah, it's a it's a lifestyle I really love. And what would you say uh, the main benefits of you deciding to change your lifestyle um, have been? Like, uh, what would you say has been the most noticeable change in your uh, mindset um, since being a, a vegan? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a great question. I noticed like immediately, I think I had been eating a lot of dairy and eggs prior. Like that was a really big staple of my vegetarian diet. And maybe this is kind of placebo, but I really noticed like a change in energy. And I felt more like I had more energy. Um, and then Beyond that, just I felt um, kind of more connected to the earth, and it was it was almost spiritual in in, in a sense that I felt more connected to the natural world, and um, yeah, I, I thought like I was consuming what humans are meant to consume, um, which is my you know idiosyncratic yeah, yeah, yeah. worldview, but yeah. I think it's, yeah. Uh, me and Jordan even had a stint where we were. Uh... Vegetarians, vegetarians slash vegans, uh, and we were pretty uh, obsessed with it. And I now eat meat again, but I can can say that when I did change my diet, uh, and it, like as you said earlier on, it isn't just a change of diet really; it's a change of of entire lifestyle. Uh, your perspective on the world entirely changes. You see it so differently. Um, but I noticed that I didn't feel as bloated when I was a vegetarian or vegan. Um, whereas like, I've started eating meat again now, I'm not really 
a lot, but um, I feel as though it's, I can feel, maybe it's just all in my head, but I feel as though it, it isn't as healthy as uh, being plant-based. Um, and when I have the money um, and the time to really look after myself, because uh, I'm currently um, still a student at university at the moment, um, I will make the transition back, but at this moment in time, I'm just unable to do it. Um, but maybe one day, or no, we, well, there will be one day where I will make uh, a step in the right direction, I would say. <laughs> I do it today. Live on the podcast. You know what, man? Fuck it, innit? Why not? Uh, <laughs> got no reason to know. Uh, got you guys to fully, uh, fully fledged support. Got the guys watching the podcast supporting me. Uh, what better way to uh, make a step eh, back and into it? Uh, that's the thing, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, um, in regards to this, I found a lot of, uh, um, I don't know, a lot of opposition. I feel like when you talk to people and, and, and they ask you about your lifestyle and if, it, if it's in, in, in this way and um, people get very defensive because they want to defend their own uh the, the things that they've been brought up with and the things that they're so used to and the things that they think shouldn't change have you have you and people are scared of change have you have you noticed much of a um many people get offended bogey when you speak to them or, or not not even offended but like really confused or maybe like want to try and talk you out of your life decisions have you noticed any of that yeah you know early early on especially there was this big critique like oh you're not um getting enough protein you you need to have animal products in your life you need these these animal fats um or like other things like iron were were big concerns especially like from my parents who are these this traditional very american 1950s meat and potato yeah every night type of type of folks um and there was yeah so there were there was some pushback but i think now that people know that's a part of my life and they've seen how important it is to me. It's, it's a lot more really met with curiosity and, and openness, which has been really wonderful. I think people are really open to, to it more as a lifestyle now than maybe even a few years ago. Um, and yeah, I, I think what's really important is there is this narrative within the world of like plant-based diets that and even the label of vegan kind yeah. of pushes pushes people away in a way. And it's like, oh, well, it's, it's, it's got this agenda tied to it, which to a degree, yes, but um, or it's going to like force somebody else to not eat what they choose to eat. Um, or like the narrative of, oh, I, I would be vegan, but I love meat so much. I can't <laughs> give that up. But like, it's important to just come as you are and like take, if you want to be vegan, that's great, but you don't have to like start today. You can take steps um, and slowly take parts of, um, remove, maybe start with removing red meat or, um, what works for you. It, it's like, yes, this is, I think individual consumption is really important in, in, in the environmental movement, but so is macro level consumption. And, and it's an intersection of that. And just taking small steps is, is what, where we're at right now and what we have to yeah, do. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, because a lot of people have this sort of all or nothing approach, right? Where they think that they have to either give up everything or continue consuming the, in the way that they currently are, which may not be the best for themselves or for the environment. But like you said, that you can take small approaches. You can reduce your intake of uh, red meat or you can reduce your intake of this or that. And in, in turn, that will have like 
uh, could potentially have, or you could, if you're looking at it in terms from a health perspective, you can increase your consumption of vegetables and increase your um, consum- consumption of legumes. Uh, environmentally, that's going to have a big impact because the, if the whole society did that, there would be a, a massive re- reduction in um, the need for animal agriculture on a mass scale and uh, in the in the individual surely you would see a health benefits but a lot of people don't realize that it doesn't have to be all or nothing you know what I mean but like you say I think it's starting to grow people are starting to understand awareness is increasing uh, the power of social media is having a big impact I think and I've noticed it a lot this past past year or two years 100% yeah um, but as we were saying earlier on like uh, some people just see it as a diet and yeah I guess by definition like it is basically not to use animal products, but you can approach it in your own way. So, for example, um, someone I used to work with had been a vegan for four years, and it was at a point uh, in the UK where it was just like becoming a thing, and there's a lot of curiosity about it. So, I just asked him a couple of questions, uh, and one of the key things he said to me is that uh, obviously, some people uh, that are trying to make a change. Uh, normally like really hard on themselves mm-hmm. uh, and he also had a bit of like a minimalism approach to, to veganism so for example uh, he would every now and again he would still like use animal products uh, but in a sense for example because he, he lived with his parents uh, and even though his parents uh, knew that he was a vegan they would still like cook food and it might have like a, a bit a tiny bit of butter in there or something like something very minor and rather than throw away all of this food, he would just still eat it uh, just to stop like wasting food because that isn't him a big problem. Um, and I thought, like, fair play, like, uh, like the label uh, doesn't really define uh, necessarily how you should uh, approach veganism. Yeah, I think it's labels often like can cause a lot of confusion. Um, so, so, Bogey, you all mean like. Uh... So reasoning to begin with, would, would, would you be right in saying that it was uh, environmental? That was the, the main thing that got you sort of hooked into this, this change in lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was the principle. Um, and I think it's really evolved from there um, into something kind of a lot deeper where not only does it stem from environmentalism, but also like autonomy. That's my choice to consume. Um, and then into animal rights. Um, there's a really great um, Australian activist, his name's James Aspie, and he did a whole year of silence to raise awareness for um, Jesus. animal rights. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it was amazing. Yeah, that's, 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 really, that is amazing. You should really look into this guy. He's, he's an incredible person. He kinda, And he was like kind of cold turkey, uh, uh, quit eating meat, quit quit eating animal products and, and jumped into this into this vegan lifestyle and then took this year of silence to, to, to raise awareness and then broke the silence and really kind of pushed for for this this change of consumption um and yeah it's it's really quite inspiring um and he really talks a lot about um things like um animals cannot give consent to be like bread or um or like forced to milk um, things like that, or like just like in, in he, he really gets into detail about really the, the, the perverse um, concept of factory farming where you, you raise, um, for example, like, like, like a hog or, um, or you raise cattle to 
for a few, like maybe a year and then um to and then bring them to slaughter that's that that is their life and that's what their their purpose is and like but we don't we can't communicate them in, with them in a meaningful way um and maybe that stems from from a, a sense of superiority and dominion over which i think is a really problematic way to think about um, yeah. these other like sentient beings and I, I think bringing sentience to animals is really important um, because there is so much research now on the emotional intelligence and just like practical intelligence of these other sentient beings that we share this planet with um, so i thought that was a really um strong argument in in who am i to to feel superior over these other beings and and, and that comes has like become really important in my choice of consumption in a plant-based diet and, and being vegan. And yeah. What do you think is the main difference between, for anyone listening who might not know, what would you say the main differences are between, and not to go into detail and be all graphic, but between uh, factory farming and small-scale farming? Because some people will be listening and think, oh, yeah, but, you know, we've got to, our farmers are important and all this and that. Um, but, you know, you grew, did you, grow, you grew up on a farm, is that right? Um, I grew up around farms. I, I, um, I, my, my family never owned um, actual like farm property or, or, or farm cultivated land or anything like that. Uh, I had friends and who, who were farmers and I, I spent a lot of time there um, not really working, more just kind of with, yeah. with the animals being present on the farm. Um, and so that was a really important part of my childhood. And then had done some some gardening through during the summer, and then really kind of got into it um, where I met you, Jordan, at at farm camp in in Casadero. Um, yeah, and so the the really the the main difference I see between factory farming and small scale agriculture um, is is mostly the scale and then um you think about the space so like i've been to a, a hog operation in southern minnesota where you just see how small amount like each individual hog has yeah um, or like the massive amount of shared space and, the, and, the, and there's arguments like um and I, I really do think these farmers care about care about these animals but also it is there when, when you see it as a means of of profit and um, that's probably tied in with neoliberal systematics um, of of what farming has become um, when it when it was like a very localized yeah. world, um, and you were just supporting your adjacent communities. It made a lot more sense, and you had a lot less animals per square acre, um, and you had a lot more area to graze, and so you you didn't have the problems with erosion from overgrazing or like eutrophication of waterways or over over um production of, of methane gas into the atmosphere um so it's sure. just like the sheer scale and then also like synthetic inputs um like pesticides and and herbicides that really aren't good for the environment yeah um, surely um, if we keep consuming in the way that we are and the population keeps growing if there wasn't this change then it's just going to get to a point where it's just going to get ridiculous like the amount i know there's like i don't know how many uh animals there are in the world 
that are owned by humans, if you know what I mean, like uh, farm mm-hmm. animals. But it's like way more than humans, isn't it? It's like 60 billion or something. And it's just going to keep yeah. going up and up unless there's a change. It's it's crazy. I think, um, and I, and forgive me, I, I cannot remember the exact statistic, but it's something like about 60% of, of plant-based production. So like cultivated crops um, go to human consumption, but that's, there's a whole 40% of those crops that aren't going to human consumption. Um, and that's going to, it's, they're going to animal feed essentially. So there is like a very practical way to, to feed, feed the planet and feed the hungry. And from like an energy perspective, uh, like plants have photosynthesis. So they have the most amount of energy from the sun and there's the law of thermodynamics. You're always losing energy as you go up those trophic trophic levels so if you're eating yeah. the cow that ate the plant you you're losing like what 90 percent of that energy from the sun so it's, it's also you're just eating lower on the food chain um and so you're getting more energy from from eating these plants and if we produce them all for humans instead of for animals um we can live like we can just feed people and like and that's a really practical thing i have a, a question for you two right so if we humans do like society shifts towards like an entire plant-based diet like what do you think would happen to the animals that are currently uh, being farmed like we'd have to somehow um, regulate um the population of each um meat source um so would you think that we would have to potentially eat meat to a certain extent or would you just let them into the wild or make like some sort of facility to to maintain and look after the the animals that were going to be slaughtered. It's it's yeah, that's a that's a great question, and like I don't really have a good answer for you. I think about uh, like a lot of indigenous models uh, of of consumption, thinking about like hunting and gathering as like really both spiritual and um, sus- like sustenance and sustainable forms of consumption, and perhaps we move towards something like that where where hunting becomes uh, a real food source like I, hunting especially in um i don't know quite the history behind hunting in the uk but i know especially in the midwest united states it's it's very popular but it's not necessarily a massively sustenance based form of consumption um it's more sport in in my understanding but also Granted, I, I have to admit, like, I'm not a farmer, I'm not a hunter. And so all this information is an outsider's perspective. Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I want There's still so much to learn. So like, I, I wish I had an answer, answer for that. And my dream would be that we were, we had like a plant based society. But also, yeah, I don't know the practicality of that, or like how fast that that happens. Or yeah, again, what happens to um, animal agriculture and, and those animals? Also, I think like right now, like there's an increase in plant-based movement, if we call it that, and therefore the, in, in the Western world anyway, in, in many parts of the US and in the UK and in parts of Europe, there's a, a reduced uh, demand, still a very high demand, but a reduced demand for meat. I think meat consumption, I don't, I, I've not got any studies or anything, but I'm pr- I think this is the way the world's going. There's like a, re- a reduction in meat consumption and dairy um, but I think it's a very gradual process. So slowly and slowly that there will be less uh, livestock bred um, in comparison with the increase in population. 
So it's not just going to happen overnight. It's not like a lot of people will say, oh, what, what if everyone turned plant-based now, what would we do with all the all of the livestock? But that's not going to happen. It's very gradual. Yeah, it might yeah, take yeah. 30 years yeah. for, for, for to see. If, if we could jump 30 years in the future, we could probably see a significant change. But I think it's going to be very gradual. But again, like I'm no, I'm no expert or anything like that. I don't know. But that's the way I like to look at it. It's very gradual. It's a slow process. And I think slow change and soci- slow societal change will make a big difference. I think even in 100 years, you know, people... People are going to still consume animal. You know, it's not not everyone's going to be vegan, but like I think that if, if the world wants to sustain itself and if the population continues to increase and we have to, you know, feed the planet without destroying the planet, then there's, there has to be some sort of change, no matter what people. You know, and then you look, you go to some parts. Uh, I know in the US, some parts of the UK, and people are eating. You see these TV programs with people eating like like five kilos of chicken and it's just ridiculous it's like silly things like that shouldn't exist you shouldn't be able to go somewhere and get all you can eat ribs that are going to fill you up for a week it's just stupid it's like we should be more clever it's like what we were saying uh when we spoke to ross jack do you remember when we talked about a disconnection to your food where a lot yeah. of kids and even me to until a year, maybe a year ago or two years ago and still now to many to a massive extent i think most people are very disconnected to their food the only people who are truly truly connected to everything they eat are the people who know exactly where it's coming from they're getting it themselves they know how much energy it takes to make they know what animal it's coming from or what planet it's coming from there's a big disconnection people just go to the supermarket and think oh i'll get get this and it comes from the supermarket but there's a whole process before that of where it comes from how it's made and and i feel like education is very important i think it should be it should be maybe in school like food education where does your food come from because it's energy it's what we need and it's we'll need innovation in the future and it's not even knowing that though, obviously I'm speaking from uh, living in the UK all of my life. Uh, at school, I'll just point out what you're going to touch on a minute ago, John, about like we get taught a food pyramid. And yeah, yeah. I, I just don't think that's a very accurate model of a, a good diet. Um, and in England um, as well, like we don't really, we don't really have many bakeries. Any, again, not, I'm not advocating for meat here, but we don't have many butchers. We don't really have many places where you can go and buy fresh um produce anymore um, and I think that's a bit of a shame because uh, in the UK especially I think we've lost uh, connection as Jordan was saying uh, with our food to go to the supermarket get some it's all branded just big corporation basically coming into the UK uh, and taking over and the, the small businesses like uh, the small markets uh, are pretty much non-existent now uh, in the cities but where me and Jordan live uh, it's still very traditional we still have markets we still have the bakeries we still have the butchers and I think it should be more like that. I think the food is much better when it's, I wouldn't say it's fresh from the sauce when you're to go to these, uh, these markets, um, but it's a lot better than going to a supermarket, I believe. Um, and it's, it's just fresh, you know what I mean? Uh, no matter what you're going to buy. Um, and I think that's the way forward. Um, and cooking things from scratch as well, like um, actually making an effort to cook your food rather than uh, just wanting something fast that you can put in the microwave or put in the oven for out of the freezer. Um, I think myself, I've really enjoyed um, cooking. Like I, I don't know what came over me this year when I went back to university. Uh, I actually made such an effort to really look after myself. Um, but using cooking, like uh, I wasn't happy. I was. I think food definitely uh, alters your energy and your mood, um, and that you should focus a lot more on it, and it will um, change your lifestyle for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I even think about um, meals I share with people and like what what a communal experience it is. I think about like 
like Camp Jordan is, is such a cool system where, where you share that meal and it's like a very reciprocity-based system where all these mm-hmm. kids um, and the counselors, of course, like you engage really, really deeply and richly with, with the farm and, and those animals and you know where all your meat is coming from because you took care of that, that animal. And although I, I choose not to consume those animal products, I, I, I can understand um, why like a lot of counselors who are vegetarian all year long all year round will choose to eat meat during that uh, that summer because it doesn't yep. really get more sustainable than that. It's, it is like very, very local, very, very organic um, and very, very healthy. And, and then it, you have, um, yeah, like, like, like you were saying, this, this like meals and like choosing to actually cook and like taking care of yourself in that way is, is so, so powerful and so healthy. Yeah, well, I feel as though. I've got John. You uh, you can talk. I was just saying, here in Vietnam, it's very similar. People like to share the food. Uh, uh, lots of communal communal eating. Lots of fresh preparation. It's a very big uh, social thing. Food. It's very cool. Uh, well, go ahead, Joe. What are you saying, Jack? Um, I'm not gonna lie. I, I can't remember, but I was gonna touch on what you said there about the uh, in Vietnam. That's where I saw it the the most. Like when I went, I had the opportunity to go there. Um, You'd sit down with everyone from all sorts of different cultures. And, and you know what? I really enjoyed using. I really enjoyed using chopsticks uh, just purely because you have to make a bit more effort to eat your food. Obviously, even once you know how to use them, the process of eating is still a lot slower than using a fork. I know it sounds crazy, but yeah, yeah, I felt as though I really enjoyed my food a lot more because, you know what I mean? I wasn't in any rush. I was, you know what I mean? Like making the effort to actually eat it. And uh, again, I might just be trying a load of shit, but... That's just uh, that's just my observations from uh, from going over there, and I think just that in general anyway, um, it should be a communal experience eating food together. My friends at university, um, I have some friends um, from Paris that are on exchange, and every time I go around to their house to see them, they always cook me food as just like a uh, like a welcoming hospitality, like it's just something they do in their culture. Uh, I feel as again, it's just from my personal experience, probably is are British people that do this but I've, I don't really tend to see that my friends don't really tend to do that but if you, if Jordan came around or if I went to go see Jordan uh, I know we'd uh, have some nice food to eat <laughs> <laughs> um, Bogey uh, I was going to say so so you and I are both, both big into fitness right? Yes yeah so, yeah. so I, I, I'm big into fitness um, I'm eating a vegetarian diet at the moment and I try and be very very not strict, but like very conscious of what I'm eating. Uh, what, how, what, what kind of things do what, for anyone listening? Bogus vegan to fitness. What kind of things would you eat on a day to day basis, or things like staples in your diet to fuel you think, for climbing or whatever it is that you, you're doing at the minute? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's something you still gotta like eat a lot of food, especially based on your energy output. Um, and I think sometimes. Uh, Jack, like maybe like you were you were saying about kind of that your friend with a minimal vegan diet, and I, I think like yeah, I think vegan and plant based diets are really really great for for fitness when when done right. But if you're if you're not consuming enough calories, like that's still a really important thing. Um, just to just kind of as that preface, but but yeah, for my for me staples, I like any green vegetable. I think um, I try to get at least you know, four or five times a week, like something like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, um, like a cup of broccoli has like 
plenty of protein for you. I think there's a lot of fallacies around how much protein um, comes from vegetables. Absolutely. And then like things like rice, yeah, legumes, like you were saying, Jordan, um, nuts. There, there's a lot of um, really great energy and calorie intensive peanut food. butter. Yeah. Oh man, I eat so much <laughs> peanut butter, probably an, an unhealthy amount. Um, yeah. So just like, I, I, I think really you can't go wrong with vegetables and, and I, I try to have like a very colorful diet. Um, you're trying to eat lots of colors and yet yeah, fruits, even though they're like really high in, in sugar, they're very tasty. And I, I kind of treat them as desserts. Um, yeah. And it, it just like, I feel lighter when I'm, when I'm eating like that. And for sure, I'll like there. There are so many alternatives now, and I can like go to the store and get a vegan pizza and still feel like shit afterwards. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, that was, so that like, was they're, be... they're, for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, that was going to be my next question. I was going to be like, so some people might say, oh yeah, you know, that's that's a great, you know, I can be healthy, I can be fit, I can be ethical, good for the environment, but but can I get really tasty junk food? You know, is that is that is that can you get that now? Yeah, I feel like there are all these like vegan comfort food restaurants popping up everywhere these days. Like I can go and get like vegan cauliflower wings dipped in barbecue sauce and like a have like a huge plate of vegan nachos with like jackfruit um as a meat alternative. And yeah, just feel like absolute like chow down, probably like fifteen hundred <laughs> calories and feel like garbage afterwards. Um, so there's like absolutely that like it's 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 out there, um, but also like I think it's really expensive, and that is something really important to note. And like this diet is awesome, and I'm so grateful I have access to choose to eat this way, or just even have those options available to me. Like some people just don't have that access, whether it's just they don't even they can't even get fresh produce, or yep. they don't have the money to afford it. Because. Uh... I was thinking, I was kind of touching on um, what would, uh, the question that I asked you both. And the accessibility is obviously a very important thing because think about it. Like, uh, obviously, this is a very extreme example where there's some countries where um, they're unable to grow um, a lot of plants. So, like, let's say, like some countries in Africa, the land is so uh, unfertile that they have to really eat meat because that's the only way. Uh, not necessarily the only way, but they're very limited in the sense of options that they have. Um, and I think we kind of owe it in a sense that if we do want to progress as a society that uh, someone's going to have to produce uh, the food to supply those sort of people uh, when the time is right. But as Jordan said, I feel as that's a very uh, gradual progression before we even have to think about anything like that yet. Yeah, no, I, Jack, I think that's that's a great, great point. Um, and yeah, accessibility, I think, is so central to to veganism. Um, because right now I think it is really attached to whiteness and wealth and I, I want to make it accessible to all. I think that's a really important thing. Um, and like then there are arguments like, oh, shipping, there's there's the concept of food miles. And if we ship all this produce over to places that aren't as accessible, um, you're, you're creating these massive amounts of, of food miles. But I think if you have enough like bulk of these food items to send, you can make it really practical. Um, so there are like, there is a lot of duality, I think, with the environmental aspects of of accessibility. 
Yeah. It's, it's a bit strange. Uh, oh, go on, John. You, uh, you talk. Well, I was just going to say it's like a matter of perspective as well. And a lot of people will will ask that question. But we've got to come from our perspective. And we're like, you know, we come from England and America. You know, we're not poor. We, you know, doing all right. Um, white guys. And, and that's where a lot of this comes from. It comes from a lot of, uh, you know, re- relatively wealthy middle to you know to wealthier areas but in that position you're in a privilege so you, you you as a society you've got to set the tone and it's no good the society being like well i mean if, there's no point doing this because in africa they won't be able to um stop producing meat in some of the countries but you've got to set the tone and then make those societal changes because we, we you know we're in the countries that are the economic superpowers uh, that produce you know produce a lot and that have the um, authority and the have, are lucky enough to have the opportunity to be able to create change in, in the whole of the world. So it's quite cool that a lot of these Western, quite wealthy places are that th- there is a very positive movement coming through, and it's not it's not negative. Where in years gone by, people might associate with the our classes and our, our countries as being being quite negative and uh, not having a great impact on impact on the rest of the world. Whereas now we can actually make a very very positive change. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if that makes no, any I sense. I agree. Uh, I'm pretty uh, hopeful. I feel as though generation after generation now, like the younger people that are coming through, are so uh, environmentally aware, and I think society is heading in uh, the right direction in this sort of environmental sense. Um, so I've got uh, a lot of faith in the upcoming generations to hopefully uh, carry the flag towards uh, a plant-based society or a more environmentally aware society. Should I say? Yeah, Bogey can be the the president. <laughs> Maybe like a, like a like a benevolent consultant. I don't, I don't think I should ever have that much power. <laughs> Too nice. <laughs> I have a I have a question, Bogey. What would you do then? Uh, if you to go power crazy, what uh, what irrational decisions would you make? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh for sure, like ban meat. I would go as far as banning automobiles in urban centers. Um, yeah, everybody travels by boat, and we have no more disease. People actually vaccinate their kids, please. Um, yeah, those are probably like some of my first, first, um, like you know, executive orders. Um, but I, I want to bring up actually something, I think on topic, um, just about yeah. also like really learning, <laughs> learning <laughs> from all. Like as I was saying, yeah, I think it is like a really white. Um, and wealth-based movement, but also I think we can learn so much about plant-based diets from other cultures, um, especially bringing to light like indigenous models of like like things like wild edible plants and harvesting those. And um, yeah, I think we can learn so much from from other cultures and other ways of of, of consumption and extraction. Um, just by, by, by paying attention and listening and being open about it because like we don't have all all the answers about plant-based consumption yeah. in any regards and I think we can learn a lot. Um, I think about when I was in New Zealand we were really had the privilege of, of learning a lot about Maori culture and traveling with um, a Maori elder and I remember he, he was telling me that like he didn't even he like grew up um, kind of very embedded in in Maori culture, really um, separated from 
the Western, the very Western culture that New Zealand has 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 become really in its like urban urban centers. Um, and when he kind of came back into that Western world, he was really surprised by milk. He's like, what? Like my, his his perception of milk was was like you get milk from from your mother, right? Which makes sense. And then like if you really think about it, if we get milk <clears> from like a cow that was produced for that cow's offspring like we're not biologically made to consume another like some something made for another creature <laughs> that's so true uh, again uh, my friends from paris that i was talking about earlier on uh, they really don't like the milk in uh, england they think it's really watery and it's not as uh, creamy and obviously <laughs> i pointed out i pointed out that uh, that's probably because like we don't have as much pus maybe as like they, they have in the milk in France again. That's a pure assumption, but obviously the, they have to allow a certain amount of pus to be present in the milk for human consumption. And to be honest, I I, uh, I drink soy milk. Um, I still do, even though I'm not a vegan anymore. Um, um, just for that sole reason, I, I, as what you also said as well, Bogey. Um, it's not really well. I I believe, and I, I think it is true that it's not uh, made for human consumption. Uh, and I also, this is kind of a bonus, I actually do prefer the taste of uh, the almond and soy milk. Uh, it's just like a win-win, really. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> it's good. Um, on the topic of, of dairy, right, when I went to, I was in uh, Minnesota this year, went to visit Bogey and his girlfriend, and we went to uh, went to Wisconsin. You're from Wisconsin, right? That's your home state. Yes, I'm from Wisconsin. Yeah, so we went to Wisconsin, and if, if anyone's listening, I think this is ridiculous. If anyone's listening, it's very weird. We went to a restaurant, and we ordered for pizza, right? And we ordered uh, for a starter, we ordered like pita bread, pita bread. If anyone's American, and um, and hummus. <laughs> uh, but this hummus came out, and there was like loads of cheese on top of the hummus, and I was like, "What is going? On? Why is there? There should not be cheese in hummus. I like I like to have cheese sometimes, and I like hummus." but they should not go together. And I turned to Bogey and I said, Bogey, what, what, what's going on? And what you, you said Wisconsin is like the cheese capital of America. So how must it have been for you growing up in Wisconsin uh, coming come to this realization? It, 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 what I'm trying to say is in Wisconsin where cheese is so big and it's a, it's a very dairy heavy place and um, is, is, is uh, plant-based becoming a thing? Is that, is that grow, up and coming where you live? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. I feel like for most of my my adult life, I've been out of Wisconsin now. But like, yeah, absolutely. Growing up, it was, it's it's beer and cheese there. It's like a very German, German <laughs> state. Um, yeah, like our, literally like the biggest sports team, the, the American football, Green Bay Packers. <laughs> um, like people wear fucking cheese heads. Like that's what they're called. Cheese heads. Yeah, it's like these cheese heads. Yeah, it's the most far out thing if you step back and look at it. Um, and yeah, there's these like so much cheese production in uh, Wisconsin and cheese consumption. And yeah, it's like everything comes with cheese. And growing up, I like ate so much cheese. Maybe that's like I feel like I've had enough cheese. You, you got sick of for it. a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised more Wisconsinites aren't sick of cheese. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit much in the hummus. It was a bit strange. Well, I mean, I mean I, I, oh, go it ahead. Could have been, uh, it could have been, that's the thing though, man, isn't it? Like, 
I agree with you. There's just the sound of that doesn't really sound that appetizing. But imagine if you really enjoyed it, you'd be saying the opposite. Uh, <laughs> so it's just like a, like a cultural thing, I guess. Um, there's some strange things. Like I said, like uh, I guess another time when I do break, uh, like kind of being like uh, environmentally aware in terms of my diet. Is like a certain cuisine. So like I've already said this before on the podcast, but when I tried snake, obviously they don't tell that I've tried snake. They're like, like what the fuck? Like why would you try that? But it was actually surprisingly nice. Um, so I'm glad that I tried it. But you never know. Like the cheesy hummus could have been a uh, could have been a uh, unreal. But yeah, know. I'm not really surprised. That, I'm not really surprised <laughs> that it wasn't. I don't know about the snake man. I went to uh, for anyone listening who listened to the first podcast. So I don't know if the, maybe there will be someone. If you if you are right, so Jack, Jack told that snake story. I then the next week I then uh, uh, met that guy uh, because Jack had his Facebook and obviously I'm living in Hanoi. Uh, so I met that guy and he took me and my housemate to the same restaurant and I did not really enjoy it to be honest. It was it was weird. It was it was an experience, but it was uh, yeah. I just felt a bit weird after, and that was that was my last meal eating meat actually like three months ago. <laughs> I think that turned the straw for me because I, I, I had the chat with Jack and I really, really wanted to try it. Um, but yeah, oh, oh God, where were we? I had a similar. Oh yeah, cheese and hummus. Oh yeah. I had a similar story where it wasn't like that bizarre of meat, but I remember eating duck when I was younger, mm-hmm. uh, and it just being so like the meat being so it's like such a visceral memory. The meat was so tough. And I, I felt sick to my stomach, like eating it, and like just the way the duck comes, where the meat, I, I, it's like chicken too, where it just like looks like the bird still, and that really like, <laughs> yeah, 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 you yeah can that remember that quite me up. <laughs> like eating frog was pretty weird, actually. To be fair, like I also tried that one was in Vietnam, and came just tastes like chicken. It wasn't uh, amazing, but like it tasted all right. Uh, that's what's that's what's like a, a very interesting. I I think that obviously uh, in different cultures they adopt such a different diet and eat so many different things. Uh, sure. And like I said, uh, it's quite amazing how you can get the opportunity to uh, to try some of those things. Um, yeah, uh, Bogey. So do you? I was wondering, um, what kind of uh, is is there any content? Any people that you watch online? Maybe they, they submit content on YouTube or books that you recommend or, or movies that you really recommend for anyone who wants to, because I mean, I mean, it's all good listening to us, but uh, like who really wants to educate <laughs> themselves and like listen to someone who, who uh, or, you know, any, any content, any media, movies, books, people, anything like that that you would recommend people watch into if they want to learn more about this, this way of life. For sure, yeah. Um, I mentioned before James Aspie. I first found out about him through a podcast I'm a, a big fan of called the Rich Roll Podcast. Um, he's a really accomplished ultra marathoner and has written a few books and now has this really massive podcast and has really amazing athletes on there. But he's a huge advocate of a plant-based diet. He has a lot of – he has everybody from like physicians to professional athletes – to nutritionists who a lot of them are either advocating for um, fitness or plant-based diets. And, and, and he really kind of, I think, does a really good job of bringing this holistic perspective on plant-based diets into it. So I think he's a really great uh, accessible and digestible resource. Um, 
as far, I re- I'm a big fan of of the animal ethnologist and uh, philosopher and ethnologist <coughs> Franz De Waal. Uh, he he does a lot of cool stuff with with digging deep into animal sentience, um, yeah. animal emotional intelligence, and just how like really rich these other sentient beings are. And I think cool. just what's um, his name again? Yeah. Franz De Waal. Brands. Franz. Yeah, I can can spell his name for you if you want. Um, oh, I'm looking at my bookshelf. Uh, yeah, it's it's F R A N S D E W A A L. I think he is. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he's a at Emory University's psychology department, um, and he he also works at York's National Primate Research Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Yeah, really I, have a, I have a recommendation. I also have a recommendation, actually. Yeah, there's, there's a physician called uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, and um, he one one reason why I would recommend him is that he has a really holistic approach uh, towards like diet and just uh, well-being in general. And I also like how uh, he's very philosophical, so he uses a lot of uh, to explain uh, his theories. He uses a lot of uh, philosophical knowledge. Um, and he, he likes to talk about how uh, we became disconnected from mind and body, but in both in terms of diet, obviously life choices. Uh, and he's got a lot of good um, videos on YouTube that are so accessible to watch. Um, so that would be my one recommendation. But I know that Jordan would uh, recommend Kip Anderson. No, no, no. Well, no, <laughs> but, no, uh, yeah, yeah, he's all right. He's all right, but my main recommendation. Oh, <laughs> oh, some feedback then. Some feedback then. I this is a shit joke. Like, uh, I mean, you wouldn't really uh, recommend Kip Anderson, but um, uh, well, I'm, that, that, I, I, that's that's who got us hooked on it, though. That's who uh, yeah. got us uh, hooked on uh, the idea of uh, veganism and vegetarianism. Yeah, and what's that documentary called? Uh, well, he's got two. He's got what the health, and he's got what the health is more about uh, that will diet uh, and more in like a. More of a dietary sense in terms of like what you eat, what you're eating. It's not really envir- more uh, about environmental awareness, really. Uh, but that's that side of veganism, whereas cowspiracy is to do with uh, their environmental side. And uh, I remember Jordan just recommended that I watch <laughs> that I watch cowspiracy, and I no, watched I haven't it. Seen and, cowspiracy. What the hell? That I've seen. Yeah. Well, I forgot who recommended it, but I can remember vividly watching that film. And whilst I was watching it, I just said to myself, I was like, I'm never going to eat meat again. And uh, I was a veg- I, went, I went vegetarian for two years after that. And then uh, I, I decided to eat meat again when I went back to university. But one reason that uh, I guess I really like Kip Anderson, it kind of ties into uh, the idea of, oh no, sorry. So Bogut earlier on was talking about how he um, has seen firsthand like what happens to the animals and was just briefly uh, explaining like uh, how they're trapped um, before they get slaughtered and stuff like that. And I think uh, it's very, um, how do I say this? Like humans are very ignorant to the facts of what's actually going on until they see it. And I think it's very powerful because obviously you get to see firsthand what's, very, what's happening. And it is horrible what's happening to the animals and because uh, there's not really much exposure 
uh, on this topic visually. Like when you see it, obviously uh, it really uh, resonates uh, with you and you actually uh, realise like uh, how inhumane uh, the animals are being trapped. Um, so I would recommend it for that reason. I think a lot of people do tend to kind of uh, wake up a bit once they watch something a bit extreme like that. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I would. Um, yeah, I would agree. There's another the the three most popular documentaries I think uh, is in the most accessible and probably the most viewed uh, are the Kip Anderson ones. So, um, uh, Cowspiracy and What the Health, and there's also a new one called uh, Game Changers, uh, which is um, produced by I think Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lewis Hamilton, and that's uh, it's about bodybuilding and uh, athletes who are going plant based, and that's quite interesting as well. They they've got some science stuff in them, but it's more it, it's not like it it just raises awareness, I think, and it it, it shows you it, it's very anecdotal and it's very good to watch. But one person I would recommend, I don't know if you've heard of him, Bogey. If if you're interested in learning about some of the medical potential benefits of reducing your meat intake and eating a, a healthy plant-based diet not a vegan diet because that could that can mean many different things but uh as a guy called dr garth davis um <laughs> I, yeah i love i love good old garth, really davis. Love garth from, davis yeah he's a bariatrician from um uh, texas a, like a, a surgeon a very experienced guy very good public speaker and he just has some interesting content uh, on youtube and he's written a few books um he's written a book about protein and about the whole uh, about society's general, um, I, I don't know the right way, but you were talking about early bogey, how people get a bit too fixated on protein sometimes and stuff like that. So that's more from the nutritional perspective. It's really good. Have you heard about the, the blue zones bogey? I don't think I have, no. Oh, he talks about that, which is like some of the, um, it's basically the, the areas in the world where over the past hundred years, they've had the lowest mortality rates and the highest rates of good health. And, um, things like that and he analyzes their diets in one of his books it's, and he talks about it a lot They're called the blue zones one of them is okinawa in japan one of them is uh sardinia in italy and there's some other places maybe some of them are near to new zealand in the pacific area and he talks about their diets and generally they all have the same sort of pattern of eating lots of vegetables lots of legumes lots of fruit um relatively high carb but it's like um uh whole grain carbs a lot of potatoes a lot of yams um, and generally, they eat a low amount of meat. They're not vegan. They're not like you were saying that we, you know, it's they've been eating like this for hundreds of years. They're not vegans. They're not jumping on the bad wagon of the Western world. They're, this is the way they've been eating for a long time. Um, but then they'll have a bit of fish or a bit of chicken once a week or something like that. But generally, their health is is um, among the best in the world. And it's really interesting. His books and his, his talks. He really analyzes that and goes into it and talks about why it's so important to to think about what you put in your body because what you get out is um is is what you put in is what you get out basically and um i think he's really great to listen to yeah that sounds brilliant i want to i want to recommend one last um author I'm re- I, that came to mind uh robin robin wall uh kimmer uh she, she's most known for her her book braiding sweetgrass um, which is a really fantastic book, but I'm, I'm thinking about, she's done a lot of really cool work on, on animal sentience and giving animals, uh, pronouns. And, and she takes a lot of, of, um, she looks into like indigenous languages and instead of like referring to animals as an it, uh, giving it like a pronoun and she offers, uh, mm-hmm. e for singular and kin for, um, for plural, and so in, instead of saying 
um, some like a, a like a, some bird like a bird flying south for the winter, um, you could uh, you can say like oh it's flying south for the winter it's migrating south for the the winter you could say um, key is migrating and, and just like and not necessarily that that has to yeah like, picked up but just that concept of giving to animals and and seeing them as instead of as an inferior but as like this another sentient being on the planet. It's very, uh, it's very interesting to say that because it's kind of the same sort of uh, idea. Like, obviously, people have pets, and no one would ever dream of like eating their pet or like, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, and obviously, because it's humanized, I obviously would give dogs like sometimes human names. Uh, so, like the idea of uh, actually taking a step in the direction of humanizing animals in general will change everyone's perception of them and potentially. Um, uh, make people realize that uh they they are getting trapped badly and uh we're not necessarily superior just because we're more intelligent um like they deserve to be looked after um at the end of the day 100 percent, absolutely um yeah i feel like that's a good good ver- i feel like we've covered like a good variety of like stuff um which is nice because a lot of people get can get bogged down on on the, the, I think there's three to summarize. I don't know. Uh, would you agree? I, I I look at sort of we're talking about coming back to veganism. I look at it in three distinct categories: uh, environmental, number one, uh, and how 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 reduce uh, being more plant based can can and uh, being conscious of your consumption can affect the environment. Ethical, uh, like we were just saying about um, uh, human, you know, uh, the way we perceive animals and and their role in our lives as humans. And number three, health and, and what you put in your body and what you can get out of it. Um, that's that's the way I look at it, like three three distinct um, subsections of, of veganism or plant-basedness. And, and I think it's important to be, even if you're, if anyone's listening, you just want to um, be a bit more aware of what you put in your body or you just want to like just educate yourself a little bit or learn a bit. Um, if you're going to go go ahead and research, I think they're the three main uh, categories. Would you agree, Bogey, or is there anything else I've sort of missed there? No, yeah, I, I think I think you're hitting it right on the dot. That's that's fantastic. Cool. And is there any uh, advice you would give to anyone who wants to, who may be thinking about um, trying to change their diet or their lifestyle a little bit in this way? Not necessarily all or nothing, like we said before, but trying to um, trying to make some conscious decisions. Is there any advice you would give? Anything at all? Yeah, you know, um, I think number one is to come as you are and. And see what you can do at this point. Maybe it's um, you're dropping red meat. Maybe you're going to do one day a week where you don't eat meat. Um, maybe you just change up your grocery list a little bit. Um, but I, I think a great place to start is to, to have a dialogue with people and, and think about it and do that research. I think there's a lot of really great research out there, great literature, great co- media content. Um, and really explore it and see what's what's right for you. And there's a lot of ways you can you can champion the environment. And I think individual consumption is important. Um, and so maybe you're like even like I think part of like a vegan lifestyle is you're you have a smaller carbon footprint. So you're you're taking public transit more. You're you're riding your bike more. You're, you're driving by yourself less. Um, is is like one really simple example. Like that could be 
your step towards a vegan lifestyle or a plant-based lifestyle. Um, maybe it's like going, spending more time outside and feeling more connected to the natural world. I think there's a lot of really great um, vehicles and entry points into this lifestyle. But yeah, take it a step at a time. Like we, like it is important to know that we have an environmental crisis and action is needed and it is urgent. But also, like come as you are, like explore, find out what works for you. Because um, not everybody's the same. We're all very unique. Um, and yeah, I'm not, I don't want to force anyone to do anything they're not, not comfortable with. I want people to come as they are and I want to meet them where they're at. And if you're, you're taking a step in the right direction, I think that is amazing. Oh, it's, that was like, that was golden. Uh, what a way to go, what a way to go out uh, of this podcast with those uh, words of wisdom. Um, yeah, uh, but as always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, talk to both of you. Thanks uh, for coming and talking to us today, Bogey. Um, I really uh, appreciate that. And thanks again for anyone uh, who is uh, listening and kept up with what we're talking about or has even um, got to this point in the podcast. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone gets to this point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, obviously, we, we, do, we, do for, we do it for the fun. We do it because we, do we enjoy uh, Like I said, I've never met Bogey before. Um, had a really good conversation tonight that's one thing that i love i love meeting new people so sure. you know what i mean like uh me and john just do this because we uh we love talking uh can't shut up um uh, like i'm doing that now i just can't suddenly uh find the words to end the sentence <laughs> okay so i'm just going for anyone we're going to finish now but anyone listening right if you're still listening because i don't i don't i don't believe point, i don't think anyone does if you do send me a message on send me or jack a message on instagram okay because to tell us that you're listening because we need to know and it'll just mean a lot uh so but the plan is we're going to do f uh four more this is six right so we're gonna do four wait seven eight nine ten yeah four more probably i think that's the plan and then leave it at that for like ser series one and then we'll see maybe do some more in the future but i think ten's a good amount sorry for the delay for the past month but i feel like it adds more value when it's every week everyone's like yeah <laughs> listened to that last week but now it's been a month so people are gonna be like oh yeah juicy right so uh, <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna turn it off right, okay thanks everyone for listening it's been real talk see you next time goodbye all right um, see you later you too goodbye Aldi is hosting a National Hiring Week from September 20th to 24th. Over the past several years, we've grown rapidly, expanding from coast to coast. That means Aldi has more opportunities for people like you to join us in our stores and warehouses across the country. During our National Hiring Week, qualified candidates may interview and be hired on the same day, and you'll benefit from our newly increased wages. Join us and apply online at careers.aldi.us slash radio. Welcome to more. Aldi is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. You did it. You woke up today. You even got out of bed. You deserve a reward. We can't all be morning people, but we can all get McDonald's for breakfast. Right now, mix and match a Chicken McGriddles or a McChicken Biscuit for just three bucks. Order ahead on the Mickey D's app. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mobile order and pay at participating McDonald's. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba.